Do you like exclusive stuff? Yes, yes sir. sir. Do you like having access to your favourite podcast hosts in a way like never before? Yeah, absolutely. Do you wish you had access to our old Survivor Oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online? Oh, yeah. If you answered yes to one, two or all of those questions, then get excited because the Oz Network is now on Patreon. <laughs> That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made. listening to the Oz Movies Podcast, only on the Oz Network. Welcome to the Oz Network for a movie review for the first time in 2022. Woo. I don't know how many more times I can rhyme. Woo! Well, there we go. Got a third rhyme out of that. Um, that was impressive and completely unplanned. That's, that's uh, I'm proud of myself. Uh, but we're here to talk about the Batman, not to be confused with Batman. Uh, this is a completely different guy. No relation. They both spell and pronounce their names differently. Uh, but the new long-awaited Matt Reeves directed Robert Pattinson starring Vampire Batman, um, complete with sparkly. a guy in a mask. Barkley? Who's Barkley? Sparkly. He's very sparkly. Oh, sparkly. I sparkly. Like, this, this, is, this is with that famous Barkley Batman. <laughs> <laughs> I love Barkley. What a, what a man. What a man. <laughs> But this is a movie that uh, has been in development since back when Ben Affleck used to be Batman. Remember that? Oh. Uh, and now we finally get to see it. My name is Colin and Thumb Drive. My name is Ben and you've got a lot of cats. It, I, I do. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I just, I, that wasn't a quote for the movie. I just, <laughs> Colin just got a lot of cats this week. I'm, I'm very happy for him. Good job. Yeah. Uh, I, I was really hoping there was a line in there that with, with, with like a pushy or something like that. Yeah, pushy. But I don't. I don't really know your opinion at all about this, and it's funny because I mean, some of my opinions have changed even since I saw this less than twelve hours ago. Uh, but um, I'd say overall, for me, I just just basic, you know, a first impression opinion. I mean, it is a different movie. You can't really compare this. And one of the things that I thought was weird going in is that the the only negative things I was really seeing in any reviews weren't necessarily negative. They were saying this is a great movie, but it doesn't offer anything new. It's kind of more of the same from the Christopher Nolan, Zack Snyder. And I couldn't disagree more. I mean, to me, this felt different because it was like it was film noir Batman. This is uh, the best way to compare it, I think, is this is like true detective meet seven with Batman in the middle of it. And even though, yes, it's gritty and it's it's very violent and aggressive in real world, I mean, it still felt like a different Batman movie to me. And I, I'm finding it hard comparing it to the other ones, but there's some things about this movie that don't quite hit. And then there's other things that I think they just hit the ball right out of the park. I mean, there's things that I absolutely love about this movie. I still don't know how I feel about it overall, but I, I think I was more impressed than I thought I would be. Yeah, I, um, I mean, you and I literally didn't even talk we, like I said to you last night because I saw it yesterday afternoon and you all, and I said like oh let me know when you're done and we didn't even you know offer up any opinions so we're literally finding out our opinions right now this is a new way to go Colin I think we do well when we do this but um <laughs> yeah I, like I sort of am digesting it still because I saw it 
And then basically, um, life update for Ben Waterworth this week. I'm in New York right now. So, like, literally left the cinema, got on a subway to Times Square. Just, you know, got to sound very New Yorker right now. Um, and, like, went out with a local New York. Like, just brag, Ben. Shut up. But, I, like, I didn't really have You time. might as well just started this episode with, <laughs> live from New York, it's Ben Waterworth. I could. I could do that, right? And it's Saturday, the day we're recording this. So, you know, um, it... Like I didn't like I didn't have that time to fully digest it. Um, but like I I left the movie going like okay like I enjoyed that that was good. Um, I didn't you know oh, that was terrible or anything. And yeah, I read a couple of reviews because as usually is the case now with me, I don't ever want to see any reaction to a movie. I don't want to see like that Batman's been universally panned. It's the worst movie ever. Like didn't see any reaction to this at all. And I only read a couple and. What you just said about kind of the comparisons, I read a review where it was kind of like this takes elements of all the Batmans, like that we've had, you know, sort of the the Michael Keaton Batman, the the Christopher Nolans, the the um, Zack Snyder's, and then yeah, turns it into like a, a crime or a horror movie. It yeah, like I, I as somebody who doesn't read and hasn't read the comics, like I've always heard and seen that you know Batman's the detective, like you know this is kind of his thing. It's dark, it's gritty, and. I got that from this. Like, it it was a detective movie. Um, and is this the most we've ever seen an actor be Batman? Like, as in, I feel you don't oh, get Bruce Wayne in absolutely. this movie. <laughs> like, yeah, like, like it's... I, I, I was trying to work it out in my head, but I, I was telling Jamie after the movie, I'm like, you know what the crazy thing is, is that this movie is three hours long or just minutes yeah. shy of being three hours long. I would be shocked if we see Robert Pattinson for more than 20 minutes out of three hours. Which is usually he's the other in almost every scene of the movies. Yeah. Yeah. And like, this is Batman. It is a Batman movie. It's, and, and like, we'll obviously talk about thoughts of Robert Pattinson in this role because I'm sure that's a big talking point, but, um, it it did feel a bit long in some parts. And I, again, you, you've obviously talked a lot about how pretty much every movie now is like three hours. And I, I didn't realize this was a three-hour movie until, like, the moment I bought the ticket. And I thought, like, oh, fuck. Like, this is like, Jesus, okay, fair enough. Um, but I don't know. This just – it's one of these movies, like, I've, I've said a lot over on Double Oz 7, um, that when I left Skyfall, you kind of just leave and you're like, like, that was good, but, like, how do I fully feel about it? Like, you just kind of like – there's just something about it that's a bit like, mm, okay, I've got to digest that. And I don't think that's a bad thing at all. I mean – I, I, I would see this movie again. I would gladly see sequels to it. Um, you, you know, where does this stand with the now even more complicated DCEU and the DC franchise? Um, I don't know. But, um, yeah, no, I it, it's good. It's good. Uh, but It's good. <laughs> maybe by the end of this, we're both going to be talking a little bit more about how we <laughs> what we're doing here. But, yes. That's, that's the whole point of a review episode. Yes, <laughs> you right. nailed it. Oh, good. I'm glad. <laughs> After over a thousand episodes of these, I, I'm glad that we could. And also, finally, is it, this is your 500th episode, isn't it? Or your 700th? Yes. Or, yeah, it's your 500th. Five, there well, you go. 500. Happy 500th. Well done. Well, 500 review, because I think we've done some non-review episodes. No, no. But, this uh, is just 500th overall episode. This is just oh, for wow. you personally. All right. This is your 500 500. episode. So. I am so glad that it wasn't last week's Amazing Race episode that was my number 500. <laughs> so well but, done, uh, Colin. Good job. Thank you. I try. 500 my 500th was like years ago. Ne- no one celebrated mine, but it's fine. It's all good. <laughs> my thousandth is in like 65 episodes, so we'll, we'll celebrate it then. Uh, well, I mean, you, you don't celebrate when you get that high, and then it just becomes sad. Yeah. Um, it's just sad. <laughs> you have no life. You've done a thousand episodes of the Oz Network. Fuck. 
I mean, half of them are third watch, so <laughs> I know he got there. And the other half are nip talk. The other two are just two reviews. <laughs> Good job. By the way, listen to our but, third uh, watch and nip talk coverage. Great coverage, by the way. But well, one thing you said there, I think, McTool said, this is a movie you kind of have to digest. And there were moments where I was watching this where I'm like, like uh, I'm blown away by what I'm seeing. And then there was other moments where I'm like, ah, I'm not quite sure how I feel about that. And it's not even just necessarily the things that I'm not quite sure I feel about that. It's like, eh, that doesn't work. Although I will say some things in this movie don't work. It's just, I, I need more. And Jamie kind of, we finished this movie and she was kind of surprisingly complaining about it a little bit. She's like, you know, I, I really felt like the first hour, like it, it, a lot of stuff didn't need to be there, kind of dragged. But she's like, I feel like I need to watch this movie about three or four more times to fully, fully get my opinion. And she's open to watching it three or four more times. And it's a three hour long movie. Um, and you don't even see Robert Pattinson outside of the mask for that long. So, I mean, it's not for perverted reasons. Like I mean, one scene. He's got one shirtless scene, which immediately she said afterwards, she's like, you know, I was surprised that he wasn't more muscular. Yeah. Like, no, look, I got to say, um, yeah, I wasn't overly impressed with the shirtless Pat. Like, I mean, you know, he's a good looking guy. And like, but even I was like, hmm, okay. Ben Affleck in like one scene when he was shirtless, like, woof. Okay, whereas Robert Pattinson, I'm like, mm, probably better off sparkling with, um, you know, Princess <laughs> Diana. Like, come on. But uh, but I will say, I think he fits. We'll get out of the way talking about him right now. Uh, is he the best Batman ever? I mean, no, I think Christian Bale is. I think that Ben Affleck maybe is because they're kind of an all-around Batman. This is different. It's not an origin story. We are getting him. I wouldn't even say this is Batman year one. This feels like Batman year two. In it's fact, two I think years. at one point in the movie. It is. It's, yeah, uh, to interrupt, I read say, a thing saying it's two years after. Yeah. Yeah. And I think there's even a line that Alfred has at some point about, you know, two years in or whatever. Uh, but uh, if it feels like even though it's not an origin story, we're getting this is early Batman. You know, he's established, but this is a phase of Batman that will eventually get him into other ones. Whereas emo I think phase. with Chris, Chris <laughs> emo, yeah, exactly. This is the emo phase. <laughs> Literally. This is, this is his uh, 2003, 2005 phase. And then once we get into 2020, he's going to be canceled or something. I don't know. We're, we're evolving with the times here. Uh, me too. But <laughs> I mean, Bruce Wayne would be me too. Come on. Oh, guaranteed you. I'm by Alfred probably. <laughs> but I, I, I feel like this is suited for Robert Pattinson and the Christian Bale portrayal was very much covering. We want to get a start to finish a Batman. It's very much like um, the Daniel Craig, James Bond. We get the beginnings of him, And then by the time the series is finished, he's the old broken man. And here they're, they're sort of going with let's it, this movie takes place over the course of one week. So we are getting one, one bit of Batman. So I don't think it's really easy to compare him to Ben Affleck, who's an established Batman, Christian Bale, who kind of had start to finish, but I can't really picture a lot of people doing this version of Batman better. And it's different than I thought it would be because I thought we'd get more Bruce Wayne. And when we both saw Tenet, that was the moment where we're like, you know, Tenet's not a great movie, but Robert Pattinson steals every second of this movie. And you get excited about seeing him as Bruce Wayne, as the playboy, yeah. which we don't really get in this movie. But weirdly enough, he seems to just perfectly suit this brooding Batman in a way that doesn't seem cheesy. It doesn't seem forced and it doesn't seem that emo. We kind of joke it's emo, but this just seems like moody Batman and, and it just suits this movie. It wouldn't necessarily suit another movie. I just love he said emu. Like, I'd love to see um, Robert Pattinson as an emu. Um, <laughs> emu <arr. Pattinson>. <laughs> <laughs> um, Yeah, like it's, it, it kind of in one way, 
we just talked about over in 007, who was an exchange bombie and how will they do that? Um, three hours, by the way, we impressed that Noah and I talked for three hours about who the next James Bond would be. I, I don't know if you saw the length of that. I, uh, I, I'm glad I skipped that episode now. <laughs> <laughs> well, you shouldn't be if you're listening to this because it's a great episode. Download 007 and now <laughs> Patreon uh, membered up. Um, but, <laughs> and also join the Oz Network's Patreon. It's great. Um, but yeah, like it kind of made me think a little bit about or could they do this with James Bond? Like year two into James Bond. Don't go full origin, but don't go like full whatever. Whole other topic. I I loved him as Batman. I think like he did a really good job because this all comes down to that whole detective level. Like I really appreciated this. And another review I read and I completely agree with it. Like this is the least superhero movie I think that's ever existed. This is not a superhero movie. Um, I mean, you've literally got a man walking around in a cape and bat ears, um, but it's not really a superhero movie. But yeah, as Batman, I thought he was great. Like, even just initially when you get introduced to him, um, you know, kind of literally him on the scene, like, with the, the, the Gotham Police Department. Like, it just, it's cool. Like, it's it's great. I definitely had issues with him as Bruce Wayne, um, but, like, it's kind of, you barely see him as Bruce Wayne. And, yeah. again, knowing that it's so early on into this, and, like, I think when I watched this, I didn't know it was two years in. So that's where I was kind of like, oh God, like what's this Bruce Wayne? Like mopey, depressed Bruce Wayne, like reclusive, <laughs> like, oh, I don't like this. But then now it makes sense knowing this is only a cut. And like, because this would, what he would be like, like, you know, I'm guessing, I mean, is he meant to be like a teenager? Because like, isn't he only meant to be like about 30. 13 or something? Like, he was 30. So he's what, 28 yeah. when his parents get killed? I thought he was meant to be a lot younger than that. No, 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 he he doesn't be, he, he he doesn't become Batman when the parents are killed. He never has. Oh, you've seen the other well, versions, I've right? Seen Gotham. He's a um, child. <laughs> well, that, okay, 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 so okay, I'm glad you cleared that up because I, they, that's that's the thing is they say it's been 20 years yeah. since Thomas and Martha Wayne's death. Okay, so so that's where I got confused because when I read the whole "it's been two years" thing, I'm thinking, but they say it was 20 years since they got murdered. Like, I, okay, I know he doesn't become Batman as a kid, but what I'm saying is like, the, I, I I'm I'm there now. Anyway, point is. I get it, um, but the, I mean, I guess in Christopher Nolan's Bruce Wayne's still a bit Bruce Wayne-ish, isn't he? While he's becoming Batman, anyway, it's a different interpretation. I definitely can see, as you were saying with Tenet, that Robert Pattinson would be a great sort of more playboyish Bruce Wayne. That's the only thing that disappointed me about Robert Pattinson that we didn't get to see that because, yeah, I think we said that in Tenet. I mean, we said even in Tenet that he'd be a great James Bond, and I don't even think Noah and I mentioned his name on that episode, and I still stand by the fact, weirdly, that I would like to see Robert Pattinson as James Bond, a sentence I would have never said, like, three years ago. Um, but, yeah, outside of that, Batman, the, he handles the action well, um, and this is one of those ones yeah. that you got with Ben Affleck and you got with Robert Pattinson. When they were cast as Batman, I was like, what the fuck? Like, I literally spoke to someone this week. I said, like, I'm going to see the Batman. And they're like, fuck that. And I'm like, like, what are you talking about? It's like, I love Batman, but I will not go see Sparkly Vampire Boy play Batman. And it's just like, <laughs> okay, fair enough. And then I, but they also uttered the sentence to me, George Clooney was the best Batman. I'm like, okay, I understand your opinion now. <laughs> Kind of not valid. Um, so I love me the Clooney, but not as Batman. Um, probably the worst Batman. But um, and even George Clooney says he was the worst Batman. So you know he he owns that. But yeah, I I liked him. I thought he was good. I would agree with you. He wouldn't be in my top two. My top two are still Ben Affleck and Christopher Nolan. Christopher Nolan. Um, Christopher Nolan played he Batman. Was great. Yeah. He was great as Batman. Um, Christian Bale. But, I mean, he might be number three. Like, I mean, early yeah. opinion. Like, 
I've never been massive on Michael Keaton. I'm not saying he's terrible. And Val Kilmer is like there. And then there's George Clooney. Um, so, and Will Arnett as Lego Batman was pretty decent. So, Well, I, I know I've said this before. Uh, I feel like Michael Keaton gets given too much credit as Batman because he's an amazing um, an, an amazing Batman, but he's an average Bruce Wayne. And then you kind of have the, or sorry, sorry, other way around. Michael Keaton is an amazing Bruce Wayne, but an average Batman. And then it's the other way around where Val Kilmer is a great Batman, but a very average Bruce Wayne. And then you have George Clooney, who's just like, hey, he's, I, he's there as both. You know? <laughs> he's not terrible, but he's not great as he's either. He's got nipples. Uh, yeah, he, he's, he has great nipples. Which Val uh, Kilmer the way, there was a- I think we pointed this out in Batman and Robin, that everyone says it's Batman yeah. and Robin that brings in the nipples. It's actually Batman Forever that brings in the nipples, people. Yeah. Well, and also there was a review I read for this movie before I saw it, which was saying it's like, you know, uh, Matt Reeves brings a, a gritty film noir or whatever take on Batman minus the nipples. I'm like, that was the headline? <laughs> People still haven't got People the nipples 24 forget. years later. <laughs> 20, 25 years now. 25, we're we're yeah. 25 years removed. Uh, but but anyways, so with Robert Pattinson, I think two things that um, that work for this movie is that Detective Batman. And even though I'm kind of disappointed we didn't get the Bruce Wayne, that's one of the things I feel like it works for this movie. And yeah, once great. we get to the next one, when, when you kind of see the end of this movie, you get this character is evolving. Mm. And it's very similar, I would say, to what we got with Man of Steel and Batman v Superman, where you're not quite getting Superman until you get to Justice League. You know, yep. it, it, James Bond, same thing, up to Skyfall. This is kind of the new trend. It, we're not going to retell an origin story. We're just going to, you know, show, slowly evolve the character and show you what brings them. Because it also makes total sense. I mean, you're not going to have... It's easy in Batman Begins, a movie that takes place over the course of seven years, to show how he becomes Batman. But this, it's it's obviously much more contained. It's six, seven days. Uh, but the the aggressive side they get with him, like that's where I feel like Robert Pattinson really works because he has that brooding thing down. And it's something that works for Batman. So many people complain about Christian Bale's growling now hmm. and Robert Pattinson brings something different. I mean, he he just, he's just, hi, I'm Batman. You know? <laughs> and he's not really different as Bruce Wayne, but, but, but got, they make a point in this movie to say, Bruce Wayne's a recluse. We haven't seen you in what, three, four years? Like he just hides yeah. up in his mansion or whatever. Uh, so him just being himself, there's there's no alter ego here. He is Batman. And that brooding thing he has down, but it's when he explodes out of nowhere, which some of those moments in the trailer, like where he's punching the window, interrogating the Riddler or whatever, like it, it just comes out of nowhere. And, and he's so good in those scenes. And also the action scenes, the fact is like Batman in this movie, when you get glimpses of the, that action, it is violent, but it's not violent to the point of like John Wick where, we're going to kind of make this extremely elaborate thing he does to kill a person. He's literally just going to pummel a man <laughs> for 10 seconds straight. And it's very aggressive and it's very effective. I, yeah, I completely agree. And I think um, it's kind of, I, I like the little subtleties they do with his, like the, the character of Batman, where whenever you get a different interpretation, there's certain questions about certain parts of Batman. So I like the fact that you literally get a scene of him, changing his contact lenses and like i get that's like a camera thing as well but like and also like putting like black paint around his eyes because he's very emu um but like it's kind of like one of these things where it's like oh superman how do you not tell it's superman because it's just the glasses and the curling hair like i guess some people like well how do you not tell it's bruce wayne like eye color and like you'll see his eyes and but i kind of like that but like you mentioned about sort of um him like this being him in the mask like there's a great line when he's there's a moment there with him and the riddler when 
you know, the Riddler says, like, people don't realize that this is the real you. Like, you know, that, that Bruce Wayne is the mask. And that's kind of like the whole Superman thing, right? That, like, Clark Kent is his outfit. Like, that's his, you know, secret, well, his alter ego, whereas the real him is Superman. Like, I like that. And I don't know if that's ever been something that's been explored in Batman before that, you know, Bruce Wayne is the fakeness, that he's really Batman. Like, that's who he is. And I like that interpretation of it. But, yeah, the aggression of it, like... I mean, I think Robert Pattinson's probably got the brooding down pat. He was a fucking vampire in the Twilight series. And the one thing I remember about the two hours of my life I'll never get back, having watched the first Twilight movie. And remember, if we get to a million likes on Facebook, we will review the the Twilight series. Um, We've only got, I think, like 999,996,000 likes to go. So get onto it, people. Um, Like, he was a good brooding vampire from what I can remember. So... Um, so yeah, the brooding part, but yeah, the, the action physicality and it going back to even just like, you know, degrading Robert Pattinson's body. But like, I mean, Ben Affleck will always be the physical Batman, like for, for mm. what he played. And we made fun of Ben Affleck as Batman and the fact that he just kind of stands back and watches. He doesn't really do a lot. <laughs> Robert Pattinson, no, he, he saw the Justice League movies and Batman v Superman. He's like, no, okay, I'm going to do some stuff now. Ben Affleck, lazy, lazy Batman. I'm not lazy. A few things just with the action to touch on, because uh, this is more story heavy, this movie. It is an investigation film. It is a serial killer thriller, detective story or whatever. Um, but when they have moments of action in this movie, Jamie and I had very different takes. And I'm kind of interested to see what your, your opinion is, because she was complaining that like, a lot of these action sequences are too dark, too murky, and I can't really see what's going on. And I was telling her, I'm like, that's what I love about it. Because you get like, let's, there's one huge car chase, which, which is the Batmobile chase that's in the, the trailer, uh, where it's raining, it's pouring down, there's fog everywhere, there's flames, there's smoke, uh, there's lots of fast cutting. And you're watching this action sequence that you're only seeing glimpses of what's going on. And I feel like we're just, this is kind of the, the common complaint now with Marvel movies is that everything's so clean, like you could, oh, you, you could see this massive battle going on in one shot, like see you want army. a little bit the CGI armies and stuff like that. And this not only feels like they actually film this and you're struggling with things like, you know, uh, fog and rain and all that, but there's intentional moments where during this car chase, you're looking like, what am I looking at? And you have to pay closer attention. And then all of a sudden out of nowhere, you'll see something come through the smoke or come through the fog. And you're like, what an incredible, like it, it, it makes those visual moments matter more. And it's the same thing with like, there's a, an escape scene Batman has, where he's kind of spreading his wings. He's sort of a flying, soaring sequence where instead of just shooting it like you would see in your typical superhero movie where you got the big overhead shots and, again, it's very CGI, like the entire thing's filmed very up close on him. But, again, it's because you're only seeing little bits and pieces of what they want you to see. It makes it feel like a bigger movie, and maybe that's one of these things of seeing in IMAX. You expect that IMAX, you want to see those giant Mission Impossible-style climbing a building shots or those Marvel CGI armies but it, this movie looks better for just showing you bits and pieces of the action. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And I think that there were definitely moments where I'm watching this going like, wow, okay, that's like, I can see why people might complain about this, but I really like it. It, it Weird comparison, just back to the Bondness, it's kind of like what Quantum of Solace could have been. Like they do a little bit of difference with Quantum of Solace action and we had problems with how fast, but like, you know, there are certain action sequences we like in Quantum of Solace, like the bit where they fall through the, the ceiling and the glass and you kind of have that weird shot of, like, you know, one person crashing and Bond crashing down. Like, it looks cool, but it doesn't really stick the landing. Whereas this, like, yeah, that car chase sequence where you've almost just got, like, that that camera on 
um, Colin Farrell's face, you know, the penguin, and you kind of, like, from the trailer where he's like, I got you, I got you, and then kind of, like, just, it's epic. And, like, yeah, the, the moment when, yeah, he, like, Batman jumps off the building and kind of he pulls out the wingsuit and you've almost got, like, a POV shot, like, on his, his wings. Like, it yeah. just... It looks really good, and it's it is a very dark movie. On like not just the fact that it's dark content, like like visually dark. And I just want to say right now, if you weren't going to bring it up, but like this might be my favorite interpretation of Gotham City. Like Gotham City looks incredible. Oh, yeah. Like just what they've done. I was going to say that. Yeah. I don't. Do we ever see daylight at all in this movie? Which I guess you don't really want to <laughs> see Gotham in daylight. But it's. Just- I mean, you you see sunrise and dusk, which is one of the things I think helps this look more because like, if. One of the things that I just finished watching the first two Christopher Nolan movies, we didn't have time to get to Dark Knight Rises, but one of my complaints coming out of that trilogy, rewatching it again, is that Gotham City, city just feels like a city. Mm. It doesn't have that slightly different look. Now, this isn't quite to the level of it looks like a comic book, like in the Joel Schumacher or Tim Burton movies, but it just has that sort of like, uh, it, it's kind of different. There's something odd and unusual about it, and it, it doesn't feel like any city you could see. Yeah, because even like in the Zack Snyder movies, um, you know, I think the issue you face with those is that because Metropolis and Gotham are like literally over the river, which I, I mean, I'm guessing is a comic book thing. I don't know if that was just an interpretation, but you get them confused in a way because kind of, oh, I'm in Metropolis, which obviously is a bit brighter and everything, but then you've got Gotham and it's kind of like, well, where are we? There's no, nothing distinct about them. Whereas mm-hmm. this, like, I mean, obviously with Gotham and, and most cities, you know, they're interpreted off New York, but you know, even just the way they've kind of done the level of, of what this, this is like, what New York would be like in the eighties, I'm guessing like crime field and like, you know, like mm-hmm. I think Joker did Gotham very well. Obviously that was set in the eighties and kind of gave you that vibe, but um, no, Gotham's great in this, but no, just the action, it just works. And as you said, there's not a lot of action in this film, even sort of the closing sequence action is it's very quick. It's kind of over with. And actually just on that really quickly, don't know if this is a spoiler or not, but like, did they steal the plot of the dark Knight rises? in terms of what happens at the end of this movie. I can't remember what Bane, Bane holds Gotham hostage. Did he seem uh, talking about flooding the city? I feel like he did the same and they've just stolen that from The Dark Knight Rises. It's Well, it's slightly different in The Dark Knight Rises because in The Dark Knight Rises, he he cuts the city off from the rest of the world. Right. Which this movie, it's similar, but they, they I think they handle it much better in this movie. The Dark Knight well, Rises, there's a lot of plot holes well, like, I, couldn't, I couldn't remember like if because I, I remember he cuts the city off and like he puts all the cops under the ground right? I have, Dark Knight Rise I haven't seen in a long time that's the one I've seen the least of the Chris Nolan trilogy but like I was thinking like but like he cuts the city off but does he then threaten to flood it like I'm like did he just take that plot and go okay we'll just actually do it this that, time no. yeah anyway <laughs> spoiler alert <laughs> yeah well I mean it's not really spoiler because that's actually one of my uh, I'll get to a couple of my complaints here and you can tell me if you agree or disagree but uh, one of my complaints is we see that flooding shot in the trailer. And I just feel oh, like that would have been that. a lot more effective. <laughs> oh, well, it's in the trailer. Uh, but it, I feel like that would have been more effective had I not known that going in. Because I kept, I'm like, well, there's that big flooding thing that I keep seeing in the trailer. So I was waiting. I'm like, I know where this climax is going. And it kind of spoiled what I think could have been this incredible visual moment. I mean, it's still incredible the way that this climax plays out. But, uh, but you know, one thing that was spoiled. Uh, just touching on the other characters in this movie. Now, first of all, the good. Jeffrey Wright. Oh. This man oh. can do it all. What a man. <laughs> greatest, <laughs> greatest Felix Slater of all time. I'm saying yep. it now. I, I, I love... Gary Oldman, like Gary Oldman is my top five actors of all time, maybe. But Jeffrey Wright blows away Gary Oldman. I think part of that is that he is the second lead in this movie. I mean, you could almost say this is a Gary, uh, not Gary Oldman, Jeffrey Wright 
Robert Pattinson dual lead to a certain extent. Uh, it's obviously more Batman, but this is kind of like, not to the level of Lethal Weapon, but let's look at it in comparison to Seven. This is like Robert Pattinson's Brad Pitt and Jeffrey Wright is Morgan Freeman. If this is uh, Zodiac, another one that's getting compared to, Robert Pattinson is Mark Ruffalo and uh, uh, <laughs> Jeffrey Wright is Anthony Edwards. <laughs> sure. <laughs> or Robert Downey Jr. or Jake Gyllenhaal, <laughs> whatever. Uh, but uh, it, it, it's sort of like these two partners working together. Like this is a partnered up film. And Jeffrey Wright, like this is not fun Jeffrey Wright. He's not having fun, but like it just feels more like Commissioner Gordon than we got even with Gary Oldman. And I love Gary Oldman, but the only time in the Christian Nolan movies that I feel like Gordon was really given the prominence that he should have been given was in the dark night. Um, but like Jeffrey Wright, just amazing this movie. Now the things that don't work, um, I'm not going to say Zoe Kravitz doesn't work as Catwoman. Oh, thank I, I God. think she's Sorry. I thought I was going to be not a fan and you're going to be a fan. <laughs> I mean, I, here's the thing. I think she's great. Yeah. Again, for this movie, it's like, for, you know, not quite the level of Robert Pattinson. Robert Pattinson is great, you know, in this movie, but it fits for this movie. She works for this Catwoman, but it is, it's almost the character that doesn't work for me. It's not yes. the best portrayal of Catwoman. And yes, uh, Anne Hathaway kind of shocked everybody by being the best thing about The Dark Knight Rises when nobody expected it. And obviously Michelle Pfeiffer is considered iconic. And this is Halle sort Barry. of, it's in the middle. It's, it's not as bad as Halle Berry. <laughs> <laughs> not nearly as bad as Halle Berry. Uh, but uh, I think that uh, one thing that we kind of have to point out is that this did start with Ben Affleck. This was supposed to be the solo Batman film to follow Justice League. And Matt Reeves, the director, was on the movie from the beginning and involved with Ben Affleck. And they retooled this movie to make it breakfast, breakfast is here. <laughs> hey, it's morning for me now, Jamie. Where's my breakfast? Yeah, you can send Ben breakfast. Oh, and my new Wonder Woman pop figure. Oh, um, there you go. It was discounted at Cineplex because they had to make room for Batman merchandise. Hi, Jamie. But anyways, um, Bye, Jamie. <laughs> Hello, Jamie. Hi. Yeah. Hi. <laughs> Walk away. Uh, Often but, the case. Uh, yep. <laughs> but with Catwoman, like, I, I, I think that there, you could see in this movie the things that were rewritten for this movie. We already know Deathstroke was the villain when this was supposed to be Ben Affleck. Um, obviously, Riddler had to be rewritten. We already know some of the, the, the portrayal of Batman in this movie with the, the very dark, violent side, uh, is the vengeance aspect of Batman. That obviously is, was rewritten for this movie. But I feel like... Catwoman's story was part of the Ben Affleck one. And when they rewrote this movie, they're like, oh, we're, we're just going to keep that in there because it almost feels like it doesn't belong in this movie. And it, part of that is we have several stories going on. And it's not that I don't like the Catwoman story and it's not like I don't like Zoe Kravitz in it, but it, it almost doesn't feel like if, if we had had that as its own movie, I'm buying into it. If we had had the Riddler stuff as its own movie, I'm buying into it. But between those two, I much prefer Paul Dano as the Riddler, oh. who is the scariest Batman villain of all time. And he's Paul Dano. And what a man. That's just sort of, that's the great, like Paul Dano is also in my top, he's not top five, but he, I'd put him in top 10 favorite actors that I have. Uh, amazing. Uh, and we see so little of him as Paul Dano. And when we do, it's like, it's actually creepier. He's uh, cute. But- little Paul Dano in his glasses in the <laughs> diner ordering some pumpkin pie. Like, oh, ruffle his little hair. <laughs> just like a little bit of sunshine. <laughs> uh, but but yeah, the Catwoman thing, is just, it, it didn't feel like it was quite there. Maybe it, to me, it kind of feels, uh, this is that multiple viewing thing. Maybe I need to see it more times, but it either to me felt like it was a different movie that didn't quite belong here, or it felt like 
they sort of got 80% of the way there and they probably should have waited until they got 100% on the rewrites. The one thing I wanted to quickly add before I talk about the cast is I don't know if you at any point watched this and thought about Ben Affleck in this role. Like it's obviously this wouldn't have been, I don't think this would have been the level we got of darkness because what he left it pretty early because I think he left it as acting and then he was just going to direct it. Uh, and then even then he was, was like, the, it was the other way around. He was supposed to direct and star in it. Then he left as a director, but said, I'm still going to write it and star. Then he left as a writer said, I'm still going to star. And then he said, no, I'm out. I'm going to rehab. <laughs> and can I just, can I just quickly add one thing? Um, there was, uh, since we've last done anything on the DCEU, there was like a, I think Ben Affleck did a interview with Variety or something like that. And all the headlines were like, Ben Affleck, like never wants to be Batman again. Like he was tortured during the role. Like, like all the clickbait headlines, if you actually read the interview, because they were saying about how like it tortured him and all that sort of stuff. If you actually read the context, he said what tortured him was the process of trying to put this together and then the whole Justice League process. He said it was like he had nothing against playing the character. It was just the way it was handled and it was just such a mentally yeah. draining time for him that he didn't want to go through. So it had nothing to – it was like when Henry Cavill was like, Henry Cavill's quit a Superman. Henry Cavill has never quit a Superman. Ben Affleck has mm-hmm. never firmly said, I don't want to ever be be- – I'm like – it's like Daniel Craig. I want to cut my wrist as James Bond. Never want to – like yeah. – he- said it at the time because it was mentally draining. Ben Affleck, I'm defending Ben Affleck because he never said, I don't want to do this again. He's like, that period was like the most, str- and he was going through a divorce at the time with your girl, Jennifer Garner. So everything was building up on him. So hashtag Ben Affleck, team Ben Affleck, leave him alone. What a man. Um, I think he would have been good in this movie. Like, don't get me wrong. Um, Ben Affleck's good in pretty much most movies. But I mean, I don't know if this is the DCEU, the Batman, you're going to have it quite as dark like i feel you know they wouldn't have gone this route do you like i don't think they would have yeah well uh i think you would have had to have placed in a different timeline for it to work yeah. um because we see a different batman at the end of ba- if, if you had done this you know in the middle of batman v superman that's one thing but he's a different character coming out of it but i i did kind of wonder whether or not this could have worked you know with just some slight tweaks with ben affleck and i think it would have if you sort of have a thing where it's like some of the Marvel movies, you know, obviously you're going to get this character a certain way in their own solo stand of their, their solo films kind of have this feel to it. But then when you see it in Avengers, it's slightly different. You know, uh, an example of that might be Thor or the Incredible Hulk even. Uh, but I could still see this working for Bruce Wayne or sorry, for Ben Affleck. As, <laughs> well, I think we would have seen. Long story short, it's very early in the morning. Uh, <laughs> I, I got like three hours sleep. Um, but I, I think that this would have worked. We probably would have seen more Bruce Wayne if we had Ben Affleck. I think that the Catwoman thing probably would have worked better for Ben Affleck, maybe with a different actress. You don't think you want the age gap of Zoe Kravitz to uh, Ben Affleck. Uh, but uh, different villain, obviously, too. You would not have gone this violent and aggressive with Ben Affleck. I think that's the big difference. So in a weird way, even though I would love to see a Ben Affleck solo film, I'm glad we got this movie the way we got it mm-hmm. and we didn't just get more of what we already had because now we sort of have we have something different with Batman. Which again comes to the confusingness of DC and like this isn't necessarily a complaint because we've talked a lot about how we appreciate that they do things differently but I mean now you've got the DCEU, you've got Joker, you've got the Batman like kind of in this weird universe. Hopefully Flashpoint will connect them all like we just had with Spider-Man but um, Jeffrey Wright, brilliant, absolutely agree, so good and like it's not really a spoiler. I mean, it's, if you go to IMDb, you see his character's name. He's not Commissioner Gordon. Uh, he's what? Lieutenant Gordon. Lieutenant. So, which, I mean, look, Gary Oldman, yeah, I'm with you. What a man. 
Um, obviously, J.K. Simmons, we barely got to see him, uh, so you can't really comment on. J- uh, who who was um, who was Commissioner Gordon in like the the Michael Keaton and those sort of movies? Yeah, I'm I'm trying to remember. Was it was it was it Pat Hingle? I think was his name. Like he was such a minor character and was not uh, was not treated as as a Commissioner Gordon character. He was just sort of like, oh, this is the cameo. Let's throw him in there. Yeah, Pat Hingle. So he played in the the first four movies. Okay, there you go. Can't even remember him. But um, I mean, honestly, like outside of the movies, like Benjamin Benjamin McKenzie, obviously in Gotham. I mean, I get he's kind of the lead role in Gotham, but like Benjamin McKenzie. Yeah, Commissioner Gordon. I think he was very under. Like he gets overlooked as as a really good. Um, anyway, but like Jeffrey Wright, probably best movies, best Commissioner Lieutenant Gordon. Um, and there's not really any humor in this movie no. at all. Um, but like I think he kind of provides a level of it where it's kind of almost I'm too old for this shit kind of level of stuff when he gets it, and just the friendship that he does have like kind of works really well. Um, I'll I'll come back to Zoe Kravitz, Paul Dano, just holy fuck balls. Like I mean. We didn't really get anything even of him in the trailers. Like you got a bit here and there, but like I kind of think they did that deliberately. But um, the thing, like when he's the Riddler, like you can kind of tell it's Paul Dano. But then there are moments where you just get so swept away in the character that you don't. So when you see him, if you don't know what Paul Dano looks like, you're kind of shocked when you see him. Um, he kind of reminds me a little bit of um, the 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 looks wise of the Ed Nigma character in Gotham as well. Uh, obviously, I'm a massive Jim Carrey fan, and to me. Jim Carrey is maybe the quintessential Riddler, but having said that, it's a completely different tone of a movie where Jim Carrey is going to ham it up and be Jim Carrey. But I'll be honest with you and say that, I mean, Jim Carrey is such a great actor. Jim Carrey could play this version of the Riddler, I think. People probably couldn't see that, but I definitely think he could, not to take away from Paul Dano. So it's kind of like, you know, how do you compare the two movie versions of the Riddler? Because they're so fucking different. It's like... I personally was not a, like, I, I'm not saying I wasn't a Jack Nicholson fan as a Joker, but I think he was very overrated, unpopular opinion. I definitely prefer the later versions of the Joker. Um, so, yeah, Paul Dano, just amazing. Col- I still cannot believe I, that is Colin Farrell. The whole movie, I'm like, that is not yeah. Colin Farrell. Who is this guy? Like, I knew it that going Colin in Farrell? that it was Colin Farrell. And I even saw the shots in the trailer, but then when you see the movie, like, there's just something different about seeing on a big screen where you're like, well, in the trailers, I could see that's Colin Farrell, but like, no, no, no. I kept questioning myself. I'm like, did I get this wrong? Or are there going to be two penguins in this movie? But it like, it's also, it's a, it was sort of teased as, oh, he's one of the villains. And then Colin Farrell kind of downplayed this and said, I'm kind of a glorified cameo. I'm just there to set up what's going to be now his TV series. But he had a bigger presence in the movie than I thought he did as well. But like, even at the end of the movie, I'm telling Jamie, like, did you realize that was Colin Farrell? Because I had told him before, and she's like, no, no, what? <laughs> like, you cannot tell. It's mm-hmm. brilliant. It's and the thing is, he's yeah. Irish. Like he does a very good like gangster New York accent. Obviously, Rob Pattinson is British. Does a very good American accent. You can't tell. What, random question: John Turturro, yeah. however you say his name, in was he in Daredevil? Like this is a random question, but was he? I feel I, I don't know why I randomly think because I'm thinking Colin Farrell's in Daredevil. John Turturro, I'm pretty sure was in Daredevil. Ben Affleck was meant to be in this movie in Daredevil. I'm like, is this just the Daredevil reject cast <laughs> coming together? Because I could be wrong about that, but for some reason I feel oh, he then, was in if Daredevil. That's a, ca- a case, then maybe we're gonna get uh, um, maybe we're gonna get Jennifer Garner in the next Batman movie. Is that what you're saying? Maybe. I, I think I, I mean I, I could just be making that up. I know John Turturro was in a random movies in the early two thousands, like that. Maybe I'm just confusing that. Yeah, with I don't see that he was in Daredevil. If I'm wrong. I'm wrong. But I mean, he's great. He's great in this okay, movie. Cool. He's always wrong. good. But um, 
He's great in this movie. Didn't realise he was in this movie. Uh, and then I saw him like, hey, John Turturro, I like him. Um, and then Peter yeah. Sarsgaard, again, didn't know he was in this movie. He's not very big role in this movie, but I always like Peter Sarsgaard. Andy Serkis, decent well, Alfred. Well, I was um, going to go there. It's, I, I think that he, he does a decent job, but why is Alfred in this movie? Like, it is the most wasted role. Yeah. That's my bigger, biggest complaint, I feel well, like. And there's a reason for it, but like, in the story, what they kind of explore for the reason why you don't see Alfred as much, there's two reasons why. There's one reason early in the movie and the one reason in the second half. Uh, the second half makes sense, but the first half, like kind of this is strange relationship. They just, they barely even explored that. And I feel like if you're going to have a lack of Alfred presence in the movie and you have somebody like Andy Serkis, I mean, Andy Serkis is in this movie because Matt Reeves is the guy who directed him in the Planet of the Apes movies. Um but give us a better reasoning why. And when you got three hours, you can trade a little bit of, you know, these other characters, backstories and stuff like that to just give us one or two moments that, that really reinforce there's a reason why this character is not a bigger part of the movie. And it's, yeah, it's one thing I'll say that I think this movie does well. And by the way, New York, if you can hear the, the lovely sirens in the background, uh, welcome. Um, but this movie, I think, balances the fact that there's kind of three villains in it quite well. This isn't Spider-Man 3 or The Amazing Spider-Man 2. It's sort of, it It works in a way, uh, which I think kind of works with just the acting performances and how they tie everything in. But, like, I didn't mind Alfred. Like, I get what you're saying, kind of wasted in this point. Not my favourite Alfred, but, um, <laughs> not my favourite Alfred, but uh, still decent. But you talk about wasted. I'll talk about Catwoman now. Um why is Catwoman in this movie? <laughs> like, I, I was literally trying to, at the end of it, going, is this like Indiana Jones? Like, does the plot change if Catwoman's not in this movie? Like, no, it doesn't. Like, it just, I, I just feel nothing different. This, I think Zoe Kravitz does a great job as this character, but it just, my problem is that they make this Catwoman, it's mm-hmm. Selena Kyle. Like, just make this, like, Jenny Smiggins. Like, I mean, like, it doesn't need to be, because, like, even if we're in this world where it's kind of, we're two years in and, like, this is an early interpretation to me, Selena Kyle Catwoman still has that level of sassiness about her. And she's, she's very sure of herself and like, she's, you know, flirty and everything. And like the problem with the way this character is written is they didn't know what they yeah. wanted to do with that. Like every now and then you'd get a glimpse of the, Oh, I'm sassy and I'm Catwoman kind of vibe, but like it was gone in an instant. And then you've kind of got this young, naive, you know, woman who's trying to get to the bottom of a friend going disappearing. And then like, we've got this weird plot line around a family, like, which kind of plays no part in this at all. But like it's, and that's where it was so muddled what they wanted to do. Either just go flat out. This is a Catwoman origin story. So by the end of it, she's sassy Catwoman sassy. or go that way. Because like, you're right. Anne Hathaway, Anne Hathaway was brilliant um, as a role. Michelle Pfeiffer, great. Halle Berry, <laughs> sure. Um, but even, even the, the young Selena Kyle in Gotham yeah. had that like street smart sassiness Ooh. about it that you could see where they were going. Like there's just, some, and, and again, Zoe Kravitz does what she can with this role. It's nothing in Zoe Kravitz. It just feels odd. And she's like one of only two women in this movie. So it's kind of, and, and the other one, so was it, her name is Jamie Lawson sort of as the mayor. Like she was good. Uh, we don't mm-hmm. really get to see a whole lot of her, but I, I believed her as being someone who's running for mayor. So good for her. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Well, I just, there was just something off about this character and I'm just like, don't make this Catwoman, make it Jenny <laughs> Smiggins. See, I'm, I'm still torn on whether or not I mind that this is Catwoman because there's a problem with overusing characters. And the fact is, okay, Mm. so how many versions of Batman have we had in the last 30 years? You know, we're on our fifth already. That's the lead character, though. When we're on our fourth Catwoman in 30 years, 
you maybe have over was it a fifth if you count Gotham, you know, then six Batman, uh, isn't it? Well, and if, if, if oh. you're counting David, whatever from Keaton, Kilmer, Clooney, Keaton, Kilmer, Bale, Clooney, Affleck, Pattinson. Uh, uh, Bale, but then are you counting Affleck, David, whatever Pattinson, from Gotham? Yeah. They, uh, let's let's consider Gotham a separate thing because it includes oh. everybody. By the way, the Penguin and the Gotham. I mean, you're never going to top that. As great as Colin Farrell is, you'll never top the Penguin from Gotham. Ah. Oh. He was great, yeah. And where, where's um um? Why have I gone blank on her name? Jada yeah. Pinkett Smith. Where's her as um? Because she was Falcone, wasn't she? Was she well, Falcone? I don't remember if that was the name of her character. She but was? she was in place of that Falcone character, at least. Oh, she was so good in but that. Like, oh, wow. we've had four versions of Catwoman in thirty years. Three of them in the official Batman movies. And the last standalone Batman movie only 10 years ago had Catwoman in basically the exact same role. I think overexposure to the character is one of the problems. Uh, I'll talk to you off air about it. there. There is kind of a glimpse of a character that that's, we're going to probably get in, in the next movie. I have. Which to be honest, we not everybody expected, expected it. it. But again, I think my problem is how many times are you going to go to the same? Well, uh, but one thing I will say, I read it. I read an I just, interview with Matt Reeves and the character that sorry. we get you know, later on had another scene in this movie that actually would help make a lot more sense, even with the Catwoman character. And Matt Reeves explained that he didn't want to do an origin story of Batman. He wanted to show this is Batman. It's kind of the way we keep saying we want the next James Bond to be just drop in. And he's already James Bond. You can still do young version, but like, this is Batman. He says, but what he wanted to do is to not do an origin story of villains, but he wanted to show throughout all these movies, how that whole cast of villains became what they are so everybody we see is just slightly behind what you saw in the comics so obviously the penguin is not yet quite he's he's you know sort of there but he's on his way to becoming the penguin from the comics riddler is on his way to becoming the riddler from the comics catwoman same thing and then the 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 mystery character it'll it'll be the exact same thing and that kind of made me accept catwoman a little bit more just his idea being we want to go somewhere. So I don't think that this will ever be a franchise where it's like even the, the Christian Bale movies. Okay. Well, the first movie we got Ra's al Ghul, then the next one, we're going to have the Joker. And then we're going to do uh Bane after that, where you just have the one villain. I kind of feel like they're just going to continue on with these movies, doing what they did in this. Like you have a couple of villains and you're just going to maybe continue to follow Penguin, Catwoman, Riddler, and whoever else they add as each movie goes on. And I, I like that because I mean the thing that I think works with the fact that you've got multiple villains is that I like to imagine these villains in these universes that they all work together in some weird way or like the conflict because, you, you know, you talk about, say, particularly like in the Marvel movies that, you know, why do, why do all the Avengers only team up in like every yeah. four years? Like every literally every single solo Marvel movie, you could be like, well, where the fuck's Thor? Where's Iron Man? Like what are they busy that day? We even said it in like Aquaman. It's like, well, Where's Superman? Like, like, why isn't he coming to save the day? And it's kind of, you know, so like, but you kind of had that with the villains. Like, if you've got, you know, Lex Luthor threatening the world with a nuclear bomb, I mean, why isn't the Joker just, <laughs> you know, joining up? Like, why is the Joker sitting there going, eh, well, Lex can destroy the world today. I'll destroy the nuclear bomb first. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, like, it's kind of, you know, it kind of works that way. But um, it's... I like this. When did we last have any form of like major franchise that they reboot or redo a version where it's not an origin? It's not at the beginning. I'm, I'm thinking, was it Ben Affleck as Batman yeah. in the DCEU? Like he was kind of the last time you've like he's well, established. He's Spider-Man, not at the beginning of his I guess tenure. Homecoming or Civil War even. 
Well, but I, even then I was think, but even then I was thinking about that. That to me that feels very fresh because like he gets discovered. Like you kind of hear about him that he's kind of only been the neighborhood oh, Spider Man, yeah. and it's then when he becomes an Avenger, he becomes yes, a bit more he only well gets known. The and suit then in the even, Civil War too, yeah. Yeah, because he's, he's still got his, like, pajama suit. And then, like, that's kind of almost like year two, three, year three, you know, Peter Parker. So that's where I'm, I was thinking mm-hmm. Spider-Man. But I'm like, well, no, is it really? Because even at the end of No Way Home, it's kind of that's where you feel he finally mm-hmm. becomes Peter Parker. Uh, Spider-Man, sorry, he always was Peter Parker. But y- y- you know what I mean. So that's where I'm thinking, like, there's another thing. When are we going to – I mean, hopefully James Bond will just be – we'll go back to that. But, um, yeah, I don't know. Just to me, Selena Kyle, the character, well- eh, like – you know, do something a little bit better if you're going to bring her back. And even like, even the chemistry between these two, it like, it felt very Kylo Ren, Ray, like we've got to make them kiss because mm. reasons, spoiler alert, they kiss. But like, it just, I, I didn't get the vibe. I didn't really get that flirtation. Like Anne Hathaway and, oh, yeah. and Christian Bale. Yes. You got that. Uh, even Michelle Pfeiffer and uh, Michael Keaton. Yeah. You got that. Whereas this, I'm just like, eh, did they Benjamin really need Bratt to kiss? And Halle Berry? Not so much. Um, <laughs> Well, I mean, anyone wants to kiss Benjamin Bratt. <laughs> well, I mean, that's a man. I'm going to disagree on the chemistry. I'm going to agree and disagree. I'm going to agree that as far as the writing goes and then like the way these characters play off each other, the reasoning for it. Yeah, you you had it with Christian Bale and Anne Hathaway a lot more than here. But when it's Robert Pattinson and Zoe Kravitz and they just do what they do, which is this is what they do. Like, you're going to believe it doesn't matter who you pair them with. You're going to believe that they want to bone each other. Like, that's that's kind of... Robert Pattinson's entire reputation is, oh, that's the type of character he is. Zoe Kravitz, this is what she always plays. So it, it makes sense having these actors uh, just instantly have chemistry like that. But uh, going back to one of the things I said earlier, we're, we're going longer than I thought it would here, but it's all, it's, it's all good because it's, uh, it's, it's, it's... It's the Oz Network. Dissecting what what's wrong surprise. with Catwoman. Uh, <laughs> uh, but what I was saying earlier about how it almost feels like it's a different movie, I started to think about when you said take her out of this movie and what changes. Um, I think you take her out of how this movie ends. Yeah. And that's kind of the big problem here is that you have the storyline, which is the crime bosses, uh, which does tie into the Riddler storyline a little bit, but then you have the Riddler storyline. And whereas I feel like the, the crime family and Riddlers tie in together, Catwoman being part of that, she only belongs with the crime family storyline. Uh, and so you you can put her with Falcone and uh, Penguin or whoever else, but now she's like two degrees removed from the plot of this movie. Uh, mm. Whereas the other the the crime family stuff, you think that they're two degrees removed, and then as the movie progresses, you're like oh this ties in more. But I almost wonder if if her big moment in this movie had played out right during the climax or right before the climax, as opposed to playing out with like half an hour left in the movie that would probably make it feel like it belonged more in the movie, even if it isn't as connected to the plot, because that's the big problem is that she's such a big presence in this movie. And then you wrap her storyline up with time to kill before everything else unfolds in the movie. And there's no reason you couldn't have just done some cutting back and forth or had this play out the, the, the big sequence where her storyline kind of comes to a conclusion. And then it's right at that moment where the flooding happens and all that. And then it actually feels like it belongs. The biggest problem with Catwoman, I, I think more than anything is it just, it, it works if it was not part of this movie. And I think the one thing to point out, she's never directly mentioned that the words Catwoman are not said in this movie. Like there's a scene where like my opening line, you've got a lot of cats. So she, she's got some cats in her apartment 
But even her costume, it's like what a leather sort of outfit with like a sock over her head. Like, so like, I mean, this kind of almost is the midway point of the origin of Catwoman. It's kind of like the Peter Parker in the Spider-Man pajamas. Catwoman hasn't joined the Avengers yet. So she hasn't gotten the proper suit, but like it's, um, because this is the thing that always confuses me with Catwoman is, is Catwoman a villain or is she a good guy? Cause like, in, from what I remember of the Michael Keaton movie, because it's been a long time since I've seen the Michael Keaton movie, and I, I, this movie actually made me really want to go back and rewatch all the Batman movies because it's been a while. But, um, like, she's evil in Batman Returns, isn't she? But then she becomes good at the well, end. Is that generally the uh, end of Catwoman? I would say less becomes good, but then they, they redeem the character. She's the sympathetic villain. The the Catwoman character, it, it's, it's mm. almost very comparable to something like Venom. Obviously, she started as a villain, but the character was popular enough that you have to find a way to make her an anti-hero. So she sort of exists now more as that anti-hero. It's like, yes, she's a villain, but Bruce Wayne lets her get away with it because she's hot. You know, <laughs> that's pretty much the gist of the character. Benjamin Linus in Lost. Everyone lets Michael Emerson <laughs> that, get away with it because exactly he's hot. That's exactly what like, I was thinking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Got to compared Catwoman and Benjamin Linus, um, TV's and movies' most confused characters. But I mean, look, I bring her back. You know, I, I'm not anti Selena Kyle. I just I I like the character of Catwoman, but it's just I don't fully understand yeah. this interpretation of it. Probably the the I mean, everyone in this movie acts brilliantly, uh, and she acts brilliantly. I'm not saying Zoe Kravitz is bad. She's great. It's just the most confusing of all the characters in this film. Mm-hmm. Uh, her and Alfred. Um, I think we covered all the characters there. Ah, um, oh, oh, sorry. You, I thought you were about to wrap it up. There's one thing I wanted to bring, but you might oh, be about to bring it up. I, I don't know. Was I about to bring it up? <laughs> Can we talk oh, about the yeah. score? About how amazing the score I, um, is? Yeah. <laughs> so in the last couple of, first of all, you can't top any Batman score. Like any Batman score is like top of the line movie music. Uh, the Tim Burton movies, I'll still yeah. say the first Batman movie maybe has one of the greatest superhero scores of all time up there with Superman. Um, the uh, Elliot Goldenthal scores for the, the Joel Schumacher ones, completely different, but like still great. And then obviously Hans Zimmer and James Newton Howard's Dark Knight trilogy. Uh, amazing. Uh, it, same with the um, the Ben Affleck stuff that they did. Every time there's like a Batman movie, it's like, wow, you, you really are impressed by the score. But like this one, I think, blew them all away. I, I had heard yeah. bl- uh, bits and pieces of this because over the last three weeks, they've released one of the three main themes every week. So three weeks ago, they released, you can hear the Batman theme. And I listened to that. And then two weeks ago, they released the Catwoman theme. And then a week ago, they released the Riddler theme. So I've kind of heard those themes and some of it's even played in the trailer. But like this entire movie, all I kept thinking is like, this has got to be one of the most effective movie scores I've ever heard. And it's also probably the most Michael Giacchino thing we've gotten since he did Lost. Because like people kind of forget, like he's known for these big Mission Impossible type scores now. But like he started doing Alias and Lost, it was very moody music like this. It was very emotion-driven music. And there isn't one moment, even though this isn't like something you can hum, it's not like da-da-da-da-da. Like I have not had it. Oh, well, I can, I'm, think, I'm, I'm listening, I'm hearing that. Dun, that's what I'm thinking, dun, yeah. Dun, that's like, the I'm weird thing is that this <laughs> has not been out of my head since I left the theater. I was waking up in the middle of the night and I was like hearing bits and pieces of the Get a glass of water. Yeah. Dun, dun, but yet it's like, dun, it, it is dun. not your traditional melodic <laughs> theme or or any of the music. And yet the second I woke up this morning, I popped on the soundtrack and I've been listening to it nonstop. It, it's just, it is, I think this is going to go down as one of the great superhero scores of all time. If people can actually stop and take notice of it. 
He's he's the the modern day John Williams, is he not? Like Michael Michael Giancana, he's yeah. so fucking good. And I still think the Lost soundtrack is maybe TV's greatest ever soundtrack. Like it's just it's so fucking good. But yeah, God, like because that dun, dun, like that piano element mm-hmm. was in the trailers. But like, let's be honest, it is used a lot. Uh, it reminded me a lot of Doctor No of like James Bond wakes <laughs> up to like like they overuse the James Bond theme in Doctor No. But like this. It's used a lot, but you never get sick of it. Like, it's so effective. And, like, this is definitely a movie where even when you've seen all the stuff in the trailers, like, that, we talk about that car chase, and then the, I got you, I got you, even that moment where I think they ended the trailer with where you see the upside-down shot of Batman walking through the fire. Like, even though you've seen that, how many times you see the trailer, like, and you hear the... You're like, fuck, like, that's epic. Um, Yeah, I haven't got the soundtrack yet. I want to get it. Um, But, God, it's just so damn good. Uh, just work. Can I just say, Michael Giancona... I that guy, um, thank you, Fukunagawa, uh, <laughs> um, Bond oh, 26, yeah. make him do a Bond movie. I want to see him do a Bond yeah, movie. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I, I think that there's something with it. I was trying to put my finger on this too. One of the things that I told Jamie that I really loved about this movie, one thing they've never quite gotten as good. I'm not going to say they've never gotten it, but they've never gotten quite as good is the, just the terror aspect of the Batman character. The Christopher Nolan movies really had mm. that, especially in the Dark Knight where you know, uh, Commissioner Gordon has a scene where the bat signal's on. They're like, oh, he's not coming. It's like, no, I just like to keep it on to remind everybody uh, out there that he's out there, you know? Uh, and just the fact that people are like, oh, we got to be careful. The Batman might be out. The Ben Affleck movies, I think, did that uh, even a little bit more. Just that people being afraid, oh, no, it's the Batman. But like in this movie, it's not even like people know who he is. And you have those moments where there's characters who are kind of like, oh, I see the signal. I'm, 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 I'm kind of getting nervous now. And then when they're approached by him, like, it's him, it's him. But it's that music, I think, that really makes that. Because all those other movies did those same things. Oh, no, it's Batman and stuff like that. And, yeah, you have the explosiveness with Robert Pattinson that you didn't have with the others. But that theme, that that's what that theme is. That theme just screams, get out of the way, Batman's coming. You know? <laughs> like, you're in trouble here. It's not like a big heroic. <laughs> da, 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 da. Uh, it is very similar to, like, uh, what Hans Zimmer did with the Christopher Nolan movies, like, where, where it was like, dun, dun, like just like one or two notes, just the simplicity of it. But yeah, that theme makes this character as much as Robert Pattinson makes this character. And the suit too. I also want to say, Jamie asked me before we saw this movie, yeah. what's your favorite Batman suit? And I'm like, you know, probably the Christian Bale one. Nipples. <laughs> Did you say Nicholson? Nip- nipples. N- nipples. <laughs> I mean, yes. <laughs> Nipples. I, 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 was, Nipples. I, kept hearing, I kept hearing Nicholson and I'm like, so Christopher Nolan played Batman, Jack Nicholson played Batman. And then as you're illustrating nipples, all I'm seeing is you rubbing your nipples because I can't hear you. <laughs> yes, nipples. I often do that on these episodes. I just sit here rubbing my but nipples. Yes, nipples. Uh, but, but no, like after seeing this movie, like 100%, this suit is the Batman suit. Because it... it it's one of those small details. People read the comics will realize this, but like the Batman doesn't have a pitch black suit. There's that gray on the chest and everything. Mm. And so the Batman symbol stands out. And this is the first time they incorporated that. It just looks different, but maybe it's also a physique. It, it doesn't seem to have as many built in muscles. And we sort of talked about Robert Pattinson, not having the physique of Ben Affleck or Christian Bale or anybody, but this bat suit just looks like this is what the Batman suit would be. It doesn't look like they're overemphasizing the, the fake pecs and abs and everything, you know? It's it's interesting because like I, I like the suit, but like to me, the Batman suit, like I don't 
feel like I look at it or I'm more critical of it as some of the other superheroes. Like Spider-Man's a suit to me that stands out. Um, even what they do with Superman suit, you know, and that doesn't really change overly much. But I don't know, Batman's the one suit because I guess it's just always black. Um, although what Ben Affleck sort of had a grey one, didn't he? But like it's kind of yeah, to me it's never been one of like, oh, it's so, you know, whatever. But I think I was just like thinking about like you I mean and again I'm probably overthinking this in terms of other movie franchises, but like Batman's like I feel like one of the rare franchises where no matter what interpretation you have of it, and no matter what you think of something like Batman and Robin or, you know, those sort of errors, every movie still fits the movie. Like, as in, this fits, it's a dark, it's, you know, everything about it. There's nothing out of place in here. Batman and Robin, for what it is, we did a three-hour episode of it, take it for what it is, everything fits perfectly into that movie. You know, you, you can't get Arnold Schwarzenegger as Mr. Freeze in this movie, and you can't get the Riddler, you know, Paul Dano in Batman and Robin. Although I'd, I'd, I'd gladly see a mashup. Um, but it's just they're very good at at getting mm-hmm. the tone right. And, like, I think Spider-Man does that. Like, I mean, for the most part, I think there's not really a superhero that movie that gets it wrong. Like, they do it very well in their own interpretations of it. I mean, Catwoman, okay, shit. But, like, um, yeah, like, I don't know. Like, that was a random thing that came to mind when you were just talking about the different versions of the suits. But I think even, like, obviously Batman known for his gadgets – Um, you know, he doesn't really, he doesn't have any superpowers, you know, famous line in Justice League, what's your superpower? I'm rich. Um, but like, I think what you get with this is given that it's not an origin story, so we don't need to see him crafting the, the grappling hook and all that sort of stuff. Like I'm guessing he's got a very bulletproof suit in this movie. Like, I mean, kind of even the wingsuit is kind of new and you know, even just like he uses it. There's one scene where he shot, like I literally thought he was shooting a gun. I'm like, wait, Batman doesn't shoot a gun. What's this? But it was like a a grappling hook or a a piton or something like that. But um, it just, it kind of works. And like even the Batmobile, like not much emphasis on the Batmobile. Because to me, I remember when um, Batman Begins came out, the controversy around the Batmobile. I don't know if you remember that. But um, from what you see, the Batmobile, cool Batmobile. You know, that that's the one that I always look at. It's a Batmobile, not yeah, necessarily the Batmobile. I like that it's very retro in this movie, but they still like, okay, this is enhanced retro, yeah. you know? And also the other thing I want to say, we saw the Batmobile like in promo images in the trailer, but they give it its own reveal that, again, it, it feels like a big character reveal in this movie. Like they hold off. It's halfway through the movie before you see the Batmobile. So I think that's one of the other things that when you eventually see it, it's like that theme. It's like the dad. You just need that when the Batmobile comes like dad. Yeah. What they do is they treat the car with importance in this movie. So that when you see it, like this is supposed to strike fear the same as Batman. Um, It's, it's, it's no, it's like, sorry to interrupt, but it's like um, Skyfall when you see the the DB5. Exactly. It's like, well, this is its own character. Like this is, this is prominent. So here it Uh, is. I kind of want to get your opinion comparing this to the other Batman movies, even we're not comparing it. Um, if you have a ranking or something like that, we've rewatched all the Batman movies. We rewatched the original Ooh. Tim Burton, Joel Schumacher ones last year. Uh, we still have to watch the dark Knight rises, but we just watched the Christopher Nolan ones. Now we recently rewatched the, the Ben Affleck ones too. Um, I, I almost feel like it, it's impossible to rank these things, but I, aside from trying to rank it, I, I have some comparisons I want to make. Um, for me, I already did this on a past episode when we did our top 50 or whatever. I put Batman Begins in my top 50 movies of all time. And I went into that thinking, oh, I'll probably put The Dark Knight. But then I I've, I don't think I've ever been able to get over that. Like, to me, I think Batman Begins is the perfect Batman movie. And that's sort of the one that, because it doesn't have the big villain that everyone profiled and it didn't have the billion dollar box office. I mean, it had half a billion dollars box office, but 
uh, you know, it wouldn't be what it would become later on. It sort of gets forgotten. I think I, I'd still stand by that Batman Begins is the perfect Batman movie for me. But um, one thing that I was really kind of caught off guard with this most recent time, a couple of days ago when I rewatched The Dark Knight, is that there's things about The Dark Knight that don't quite hold up well that this movie, I think, does better on. And, and this is going to sound weird, but The Dark Knight, the best stuff in that movie is the second half of the movie, obviously. But you feel like they rush because they were afraid nobody's going to go see a three-hour movie. And so all the stuff that happens in The Dark Knight from, let's say, from the capture of the Joker on, then you have all the stuff with uh, you know, Harvey Dent and Two-Face, and you got the hospital sequence, and you got the, the boat sequence. Like To me, in that movie, it's like those all those sequences isolated individually are like, wow, this blows me away. But then you're going so quickly from one sequence to the other, you could tell that this was probably a three-hour movie, and they didn't have those transitions. So it just sort of feels like a bunch of jumbled, amazing scenes in the second half of The Dark Knight. And I, I sort of finished that movie so painting as The Dark Knight. Uh, but it takes its time. And it, it says, we have enough to stretch this up for three hours. Let's be patient with this movie. I almost feel like this is what The Dark Knight would have been had they allowed it to be a three-hour-long movie. It is definitely a better movie than The Dark Knight. There are issues with The Dark Knight as a movie that has nothing to do with the story and how enjoyable it is, but this movie is kind of the opposite. It's like, this is a brilliant movie that, because it's three hours long, it's never going to be a day. So I kind of walked away from both of those movies feeling like, if you want to have a movie that's just going to be flat-out enjoyable, you're going to need to be two and a half hours or under. But to do a movie of this size, this scope that these Batman movies have become, to have the story told effectively, I feel like you kind of need that three hours. So it's a weird trade-off where if you combine The Dark Knight and The Batman, you kind of get that perfect movie. But neither quite is as perfect as it should be. Uh, yeah, I'd agree with everything you said. I think one thing I'll just say about the length of this movie is I think you mentioned that Jamie felt was that the first part dragged on. To me... I think it was like the first hour and a bit, like literally to me didn't drag. Cause I looked at my watch one time, like, wow, I've been here for like an hour and a half. Okay. It was, there was kind of like that, you know, third, four, third quarter, which I'm like, okay, this is like, right. Yeah. I'm feeling a bit dragged here. Like, you know, mm -hmm. like that's the one point where I'm just like, oh, like, yeah, get along. We've still got like an hour and a bit to go. Like, oh, goody. Um, look, I ranking and like, I, I haven't watched the Batman movies as much as I have some other franchises, and so, like, as I said, it's been a long time since I've seen the, the first four. I've never, I've always thought the Tim Burton ones are overrated. I just, I'm not a Tim Burton fan. Like, I'm not saying they're bad movies, but I just, I, I, I honestly would rather watch Batman Forever and Batman and Robin. Like, I honestly would. Like, it just, there's just something about those first two that just don't do it for me. And I would honestly probably rank those two at the bottom of my Batman movies, unpopular opinion. But it's... I would agree definitely with Batman Returns. <laughs> Yeah, it's like, it's like I can, but even then, like, at least I can remember portions of Batman. I can remember tiny bits of Batman Returns, but I barely remember anything. Um, Batman Forever, I often forget how much I enjoy that movie. Um, and still one of the best movie soundtracks of all time. Um, and then Batman and Robin, obviously we did an episode of it. It's just, it's just utter garbage, but it's fun garbage. Like it is fucking just yeah. a fun film. Rest in peace, Joel Schumacher, by the way. I don't know if we've ever talked about him sadly dying, but um, anyway. Uh, but yeah, like even the Christopher Nolan trilogy, like again, liked it. I didn't realize the reputation The Dark Knight Rises has. It's kind of a bad film now, but like I always enjoyed it. And, but I'm kind of like with you with Batman Begins, like 
course I like the Dark Knight. I, none of none of the Batman movies made my top fifty, but that wasn't you know because I don't like them or anything. I just had fifty movies I like better. Um, but like I'm probably with you. Batman Begins I feel might be my favorite because I feel that is just kind of the one that people overlook. Oh, the Dark Knight, it's so good. It's like well, Batman mm. Begins was just as good. Um, yeah. you know, but and obviously I'm a big defender of the DCEU. And I mean, that, that's tricky though, isn't it? Because what do we have? We have Batman v we Superman. We don't have a solo a movie. film. Yeah. Batman v Superman made my top 50. So then technically I do have a Batman movie in there. Um, and obviously both versions of Justice League, I think are good. Um, so kind of, and then you get what one scene of him in Suicide Squad. So it's kind mm. of tricky to really rate those, but long winded answer. I mean, if I was to just roughly right now go, where am I going to rank this? It would be amongst probably my top three or four. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I would put this above any of the first four Batman movies, absolutely. And that's not to say I don't enjoy those. It's just, I think, from what I know of Batman and never having read the comics, this to me is more Batman than those first four. Um, it'd just be a matter of how would I rate this amongst the Christopher Nolan ones and then how do you rate the just the DCEU ones. So, um, but yeah, I like that sort of notion of the Dark Knight could have been longer. This could have been shorter. Like there's, I mean, you do a famous Colin Hilding edit and see where you can get. <laughs> Oh, I'll, I'll do that. Actually, I had an idea. I, I was digging through all my old discs and I found my um, my re-edited version of Spider-Man, uh. my re-edited version of Pearl Harbor, uh, <laughs> my re-edited versions of the Matrix sequels. And uh, I thought to myself, like, you know what I really got to do is take the Zack Snyder cut and turn that into like a two and a half, three hour long movie. See see what this would have been like without all the excess. <laughs> so so all, all, all the fighting to get a four hour cut of Justice League and you then cut it again. <laughs> Release yeah, the I'm curious. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so you know this what? Campaign. If you sign up for Patreon, we, we, will, we will deliver my version of uh, the Snyder cut. If you sign up to Patreon. <laughs> and if you sign up to our most expensive one, I'll release the Waterworth Cup, which is actually eight hours long. I will film a <laughs> bunch of extra scenes. I'm in New York now. I can be Gotham. Uh, I will play all the... Ca- I will be Batman, Wonder Woman, Superman, The Flash, uh, Cyborg. Although I can't be Cyborg. I don't want to whitewash. So I'll, I'll find a local and put him in a Cyborg suit. Um, we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll get on to that. <laughs> All right, so what are we going to do as far as rating this? Um, I, I I have to say I'm still buying this. There's a few issues with this movie, but like it is a buy, and this is something that I think really should be seen on a big screen. And yeah. the funny thing is, Jamie and I finished this, and she's like, "I'm actually real. I would really love to watch this on our TV." And I agree. I think this is one of these movies that you're going to have a different experience watching it on TV than you are in the theater. And I think both are going to be solid, but like absolutely buying this movie. Yeah, hundred percent buy it for me as well. Um, I don't think that was ever a question. Um, it's, I mean, this is the only issue I have when it comes to movies these days when it's like going to see them again, you know, a three-hour movie going and seeing it again. Like, I mean, okay, he says having seen No Time to Die four times at the cinemas, <laughs> but like I I really wanted to go see No Way Home again, but it was just a case of like, well, it's it's a bit of a commitment to like want to go and see, a, you know, a movie that you've already seen again, you know, a, another time. But um, yeah, I'd find it interesting watching this on a smaller screen. I feel like the darkness would, as in like the visual darkness would be, if you have a shit TV, it's not going to play off too well. But um, I mean, you mentioned You're obviously seeing it. <laughs> Your old tube TV. <laughs> yeah, my, 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 you know, like black and white, like, you know, rear projection. Um, but I mean, you mentioned IMAX. I'm kind of in a place now where I can see IMAX. So uh, maybe that's something that I can I can do. But no, solid buy. Absolute solid buy. Uh, the best movie I've seen in 2022. I think it's the only new movie I've seen in 2022. So uh, although I watched, um, uh, what is it, was it called? That Atlanta bombing movie on the plane. It wasn't new, but... Um, 
Oh, Finally Richard Jewell. Yeah, so pretty good. Yep. I was nearly going to watch John Wick, but I didn't. So. Oh, you should. Um, as far as new movie reviews coming up after this, I'm not 100% sure what's coming. There is one thing that's coming to Netflix, which uh, I think you might be interested in as well. Uh, have you seen anything on this movie, The Adam Project? It's the same director as Free Guy. Yeah, Ryan Reynolds and the director of Free Guy. I saw a poster Guy. for it the other day, but I, yeah, I, I, until I saw the poster, I'm like, oh, I have no idea what that is. Jamie sent me the trailer, and, and here's the thing. I've mentioned this before, I think, when we did Free Guy. With Ryan Reynolds, like, I feel like Ryan Reynolds always plays the exact same thing. He always just plays Ryan Reynolds, and half the time it kind of annoys me, and half the time I like it. So she was, she sent me a trailer, and uh, I was watching it, and I'm like, oh, yeah, it looks like a good movie, but I mean, let's just hope Ryan Reynolds. I didn't realize Jennifer Garner and Mark Ruffalo were in this movie. Uh Reunited no from 13 going on 30. There we go. So I'm going to watch this next week and feel free to join me if you want to watch Look, it as well. I, 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 again, literally seeing a poster I know nothing about. I think I actually saw Ryan Reynolds tweeting out today saying that, like, this is one of the favorite things he's ever done. So, I mean, there's that. Um, I'll obviously be seeing Sonic the Hedgehog 2. Uh, so, I mean, I, have you seen the first one yet, Colin? I have or? not seen the first one. <laughs> if you wish I heard to join a good me. review from Ben Waterworth a few years ago that recommended it. <laughs> It, I would highly recommend the first Sonic movie uh, and the second one now bringing in Knuckles into the equation So and Tails, so get on board. Um, th- I mean, what's the, um, is it Morpheus, Morbius, whatever it is, the Jared Leto Venom spinoff yeah. thing? Yeah, yep. the new trailer for that one looks really good too. Um, yeah, it's kind of interesting that to me, you know, there's not a whole bunch that I guess super, super, I mean, Jurassic World, obviously, Dominion is the one that, you know, is, is tickling my fancy this year, but that's still a few months away, but... Yeah, like we've been obviously weird here on the Oz Network that we haven't really done our regulars. We're now into March without having done every month. But, um, uh, you know, once perhaps I get a little bit more settled here and we get into more of a routine. I mean, I'm the first time I think ever in the Oz Network I'm ahead of Colin. Well, no, that's not true. I live in Australia. Uh, in, in the same <laughs> continent, <laughs> I've always been ahead of Colin. Um, I'm only like an hour ahead of Colin. So um, it might work well for timing. But, yeah, uh, I'm sure if we do anything for the Oscars or I don't know what the fuck's going on, well, but there will be stuff coming. I was going to say, if if you don't have the chance to watch the Oscar movies, I am planning to do the same thing as last year. Just mini reviews in one Colin episode. Colin work. Yep. I do the work. I've actually already seen six of the Best Picture nominated movies. Uh, and the other four shouldn't take me long to get did through. Did you see so. the Will Smith one yet? No, nope. oh, that didn't get nominated. Uh, that's one of the ones I haven't seen. It did get nominated, yeah, which was surprising. But picture. they also, this year, they went back to, we're going to nominate 10 movies, even if there's not that many people voting, voting for the 10th movie. So... Um, I was nearly yeah. going to watch on the plane um, the Diana movie uh, with Christian oh, yeah. Stewart that she got nominated. But, like, what stopped me from watching it is I watched the trailer for it and I realised it was done by the person who did Jackie. And, like, I love Natalie Portman, but, <laughs> fuck, that was one of the most boring movies I've ever seen in my life. Um, and I usually like bio movies on, like, you know, famous people, but I'm like, oh, God, if that's anything like Jackie, I'm not sitting through this on the plane right now, so I didn't watch it. <laughs> <laughs> and Princess Diana, yeah. the character usually interests me. Like, you know, when you see Princess Diana and things, but I'm like, oh, do I want to put up with that? No. <laughs> yeah, I, I am no fan of what's her name, uh, Sparkle Girl. Um, <laughs> uh, Kristen Stewart. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I would rather watch Kristen Stewart over Natalie Portman. So, oh, and I'm not a fan of Kristen Stewart. Uh, but anyway, Shailene uh, Woodley. <sighs> no, no, no. I'd rather watch Natalie Portman over Shailene Woodley. <laughs> Damn. Uh, Good but, to know uh, if I release yeah. my OnlyFans and my threesome with them that you're never watching. <laughs> and you know the problem when um, you watch for me. <laughs> I'm like, Ben's in this. There it goes, sold. <laughs> 
so yeah, we got the regular Breaking Bad 24 and the Amazing Race finale just happened. Uh, I literally just got messed up from Rossi. Yeah, well, they had to do like this season of the Amazing Race. They started filming it pre-pandemic. And there's an episode where they literally finish a leg and the next morning they wake people up and saying, hey, this COVID thing's out of control. We're sending you all home. And then 18 months later, they bring some of the teams back to finish, but they literally couldn't get everybody back. So it's an abbreviated season that they basically wow. wrapped up in only two months. So. But we have the finale. I'll, you can find out my opinions probably tomorrow, but uh, I'm about to give my opinions in the next two minutes as Rossi's waiting. Uh, Rocky. So yeah, lots of stuff to do. Like Rocky, Rocky, Rocky. Uh, <laughs> So thank you for joining us. My name is Colin and nipples. And my name is Ben and vengeance. Thanks for downloading this episode of the Oz Network. Make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing to the podcast via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or by copying our RSS feed into your preferred podcast provider. And while you're there, please drop us a rating and leave us some feedback. You can also be sure to stay up to date with all the latest episodes and happenings from the show, as well as finding out how you can get involved in upcoming episodes by following our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, as well as getting everything you need under one roof at theoznetwork.net. Thanks again for listening, and we'll speak to you next time. like exclusive stuff yes sir do you like having access to your favorite podcast hosts in a way like never before yeah absolutely do you wish you had access to our old survivor oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online oh yeah if you answered yes to one two or all of those questions then get excited because the oz network is now on patreon That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made.